okay? And this guy gets paid less than half of what the highest paid quarterback gets paid. And he's easily the most valuable player in the entire NFL. He gets paid half what the highest paid quarterback gets paid. He willingly takes that salary. It's not like that's all they offer him. He like willingly takes that for the sake of the team. And two, think about Tom Brady. Talk about like the greatest being the least, okay? Like the thing about the Patriots is they practice outdoors every single day. They're really tough like that. So this real old player recounts the story. It's like 10 degrees outside. It's like towards the end of the year. They, they're doing pretty well. They're probably already in the playoffs. They just like have a couple meaningless games left before the playoffs start. And it's 10 degrees outside. They're all kind of like sitting in the locker room like, there's no way coach is going to make us go outside today. Like, we're hurting. It's really cold. We're going to get hurt. Like, not, let's not go outside. And then he says that Tom Brady shows up in the locker room, ready to go. Says, hey, guys, ready to go outside? Practice going. And just like, goes. This 40-year-old man who should be like all entitled, like, I've paid my dues. I've done this. What is practice? I don't need to practice. I know this playbook back and forth. But he's the guy leading the charge outside in the difficulty. No ego. So that's one thing about Patriot Way. Two things about Patriot Way is the clear mission. Right? Everyone on that team, because there's no ego, they're under a common cause, and they're going for it together. Right? They're under, they understand what's expected of them. Their motto is, do your job. Like, they know every single play exactly what needs to happen. Like, this offensive lineman needs to block his guy this way. This receiver is running this route this way. And like, even on defense, this guy, this defense attacker is attacking this hole like that. Because this guy over here is relying on him. Whatever. Clear mission. Total clarity. And then and what happens from that no ego and clear mission is total bond. Their whole selves are into this game. Their whole selves are into the team. Right? And because of that, this sum of parts becomes greater, and they're the best team in the NFL for the last 20 years, which is unheard of. So, why, is, why I shared that? You guys are like, okay, John, great football. It's kind of blasphemous what you said, by the way, too, about Christmas, Easter, and the Patriot way. I don't actually meditate on the Patriot way, personal prayer. <laughs> um, we're actually gonna, this, this, uh, this semester is about the SPO way. We're actually going to talk about, okay, who is SPO? Like, what makes us who we are? And I'm not talking about, like, the playbook, because the playbook kind of changes, right? We like, insert new plays, like, like just like, a couple weeks ago, Antioch changed the playbook up. Wednesday night dinners became Wednesday morning breakfasts so that Wednesday nights could be free. That's like an example of changing up the playbook. And that stuff's kind of like whatever, okay? Like, there's practicals. But what I'm talking about is the culture, the blood, the heartbeat. Like, what makes us who we are, right? And we're going to have an awesome chance to hear from Joe Beganski in a second about the number one thing that makes us who we are, and that is our dedication and commitment to worship. Not just worship, like, there's lots of ways to worship, right? We have a particular way that we worship in our households, in formation nights, and even in our daily lives, right? So we're actually going to dig into that. And uh, that's about to come. Hold on. But what I do want to say first is, the same way there's, like, a bunch of teams in the NFL, right? Um, there, we're just, and there's, like, there's one Patriots team, like, part of the big NFL. We're, like, one part of the greater church. And I'm not, I don't notice I never said that SPO's the Patriots. Yeah. We're, like, the Browns. We're the underdogs, you know? <laughs> We're scrappy. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, don't be here. If you think we're like the cool of the Patriots, and you're like, fuck, we want to be. Um, we're striving for it. But uh, we're like, SPO's not like the whole thing, right? We're like part of the answer. So that's kind of what we want to say, too, is like, SPO, we're not like the answer to the whole entire church. We're just doing what we're called to do and do it faithfully and do it well. And there's like a massive other reality that we're a part of. There's other great things happening, other organizations happening. 
Um, so that's kind of what I say. We want to like unabashedly just say like, hey, this is who we are, and this is what we're about. And some people might be like, heck yeah, let's go. I kind of sense that was what's happening here, but like, yeah, sign me up. Some people will be like, oh, that's cool. Like, but I don't know if that's like exactly where like I'm called to be, and that's like, it's okay. I can say that up front. It's okay, you know. No one here would like look down at you for that. I think just like this is the kind of chance for us to be like, okay, Lord, like, what are you doing? You know, is this something you call me to kind of go into and give more of myself, or is this something you're, you're using to say, hey, there might be another direction for me? And uh, I think us having open hands and listening to the Lord is going to be key for this semester. So, so what are we doing in this course? In a way, we're just kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit and saying, like, hey, here's who we are. Here's what we're about. And like I said, the first one's going to be worship. Um, so we all know Joe Boganski, his faithful servant. He's been a missionary for many years from New Jersey, but we forgive him for that. He's <laughs> an Eagles fan, we don't forgive him for that. Amen. But uh, Joe's a man of single-hearted devotion to the Lord. He's laid his life on the line. He uh, moved out of household last year, lead a chapter, and then heard the Lord call him back into household, which as a 27-year-old man, is not an easy decision to make. But his heart is open and ready for what God, God calls him to, which gives him a unique witness and a unique ability to hear the Lord's voice. So he's going to speak to us tonight. And let's all welcome up Joe Bagansky. I don't like the wires sticking out. Um, gosh. Um... I'm really nervous. I've, I've never been nervous to give a formation talk, ever. I'm really nervous. Come Holy Spirit. Um, I think I'm, I, shoosh, gosh. All right. Yeah, come Holy Spirit. I was uh, flying to New Jersey on Friday night um, to go play music for Rutgers Fan into Flame in New Jersey this weekend. And I was thinking about you guys and writing this talk, and um, I was sitting on the plane, and I was just overcome by how much I love you guys. I was just, I don't know why I'm crying. I'm, I was just overcome by how much I love this community. And I was thinking, uh, some of your faces came to my mind, and the houses, and the missionaries, and people who have been here in the past. Um, people who are new, and I was just overwhelmed by God's goodness to me. Who am I that I get to do this for my job? Like, damn, it's awesome. Um, and, I, and as I was thinking about it and praying for you guys and writing this talk, I was just, just so moved by um, how much I love you. But then I was just, I was reading through um, Paul's letters to the Corinthians, and I was thinking about this is what St. Paul felt for the people that he wrote letters to. The Galatians, the Ephesians, the Corinthians, the Romans. He had just this love for them. And I don't think I have the same love for you that he had for them, maybe one day. But, and he just, he just saw them as his family. And, and that was, a, as I was in New Jersey, I was just longing to come back to you guys. I was with the Rutgers community, and that was amazing, and as a gift. Um, and I was with my actual family for a few days, too. Um, but I was just longing to come back to you uh, and to be with you. And um, I just want to say that. As, 
as I share this, as I share these words with you, um, it comes from a place of just a love for you and like a real care. And so like what, I, what I'm going to say tonight might be challenging. And I'm kind of banking on some of the things I'm saying you might not liking, might, might not like. And I say it because I love you and I think it's important. Um, so let's just, let's just invite the Holy Spirit. I, I think I need to just pray. So, <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us in this room, Father. Fill us in this room, Lord. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Come, Spirit. Jesus, praise you. Jesus, we love you. We know that you love us. Lord, you know, we know that you have given us a particular call here in SPO for a, a gift of worship. Lord, and we want to explore that and know more about it. Lord, and we want, to, we want to grow in this gift that it could be a light for the church, it can be a blessing for our lives. But I pray that my words would be your words, Lord, that you would instruct me. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. I've pulled myself together. I'm going to read um, from Revelation, Revelation chapter 4. Oh, are, do we have the outlines, Maddie? Do you, have, do you guys have outlines? Great. Um, I'm going to follow that, kind of. Um, oh, they're getting passed around. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Will. So, Revelation chapter 4, it's... The, vision, the title is The Vision for Heavenly Worship. After that, I had a vision of an open door to heaven, and I heard the trumpet-like voice that had spoken to me before, saying, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen afterwards. At once I was caught up in spirit. A throne there in heaven, and a throne was there in heaven, and on the throne sat one whose appearance sparkled like jasper, and carnelian. I looked up what jasper and carnelian are. They're like these precious stones. They're like bright red and orange. And so actually, if you can imagine, um, it kind of looks like fire. It's like they kind of look like fire. So the appearance of kind of like jasper and carnelian of fire. And around the throne was a halo as brilliant as an emerald. Emerald's like a really bright green gem. Surrounding the throne sat 24 other thrones on which 24 elders sat, dressed in white garments with gold crowns on their head. Try to imagine this, as I'm saying. If you've got to close your eyes, do that. But just try to imagine this scene. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Seven flaming torches burned in front of the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. In front of the throne was something that resembled a sea of glass like crystal. A sea of glass. In the center and around the throne, there were four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back. The first creature resembled a lion. The second was like a calf. The third had a face like that of a human being. And the fourth, like an eagle in flight. The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, were covered with eyes inside and out. Day and night, they did not stop exclaiming, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and is to come. 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who sits upon the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders bow down before the one who sits upon the throne who lives forever and ever. They throw down their crowns before the throne exclaiming, Worthy are you, Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. Because of your will, they came to be and were created. Can you guys imagine that? Can you imagine that scene? I was, I was trying to imagine it on the plane. And I was just struck by, this is what we're made for. This is actually, when you boil everything down, you take everything else away, this, this moment, this scene, is what you were created for. It's not for, it's not for right now. It's not for school. It's not for a job. It's for that moment of being in the throne room of heaven in front of the living God that's what you were created for. And this is what we were made for. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. That this is what we were called to. This is what we were made for. This is our destiny. Sometimes I think we get bored of that. Uh, A.W. Tozer was a, a pastor uh, in the mid-1900s, 20th century. And he said, any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Whoa, that's, think about that. Any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Damn. There are a lot of days where I'm not ready for heaven. And that's what, we, that's what I want to talk about tonight is about the call that we've received in SPO, uh, it's, a, it's a particular call that the Lord's placed uh, on our ministry and given to us, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But I want to talk about the call that the Lord has given us in SPO to worship. Catechism says, this is one of my, I, to be honest, I haven't read much of the catechism. So <laughs> this is just my favorite line, but I haven't read all that many lines. So <laughs> just full disclosure. Uh, the worship of God sets man free from turning in on himself, from the slavery of sin and the idolatry of the world. The worship of God sets man free from turning in on himself, from the slavery of sin and the idolatry of the world. Think about that. That's a powerful, that's a powerful statement. Has anyone ever experienced slavery to sin? I know I have. The worship of God sets us free. Sets us free. Has anyone ever uh, dealt with a lot of selfishness and turning in on themselves? I know I have. Worship of God, it's, it sets us free from that. Do, do many, any of us struggle with the things of the world and wanting the things of the world more than the things of God? I know I do. The worship of God sets us free from that. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I want to talk about worship. But I want to talk about the worship that the Lord's given us in SPO, and I want to kind of cast a bit of a vision for actually reclaiming that. Because I think uh, it's easy for us um, to get comfortable with the way things go, 
And it's easy to slide into something else. It's easy to um, be like, oh, this, this maybe suits us better right now, or I, I like this more, I like this more. And sometimes we lose the vision of what has the Lord called us to do. And if we lose the vision, then how are we serving the body of Christ? If we're called to be a foot, but then we lose the vision and we become a hand, we're going to be hopping on one foot. That's going to be problematic. So what I want to do is explore a little bit of who the Lord has called us to be as SPO and the way that we worship. And as John said, that might not be the call for all of us. And praise God, that's okay. But St. Catherine of Siena, Catherine of Siena said, be who the Lord made you to be, who the Lord called you to be, and you're going to set the world on fire. If SPO is who, is who God is calling us to be, and following the charism and the gifts that he's given us, we're going to set Ohio State and Ohio Dominican on fire. But if we're not, if we're like getting away from what the Lord's called us to do, then we're not. And that would suck. And that it would, be, it would more than suck. It would, it would be a damn shame. Gosh. Sorry, I think I'm cursing a lot tonight. <laughs> I do that when I get nervous. It's because I'm from New Jersey. Um... So in 1895, there's a, a nun by the name of Elena Guerra, blessed Elena Guerra now, uh, and she was the founder of the Oblates of the Holy Spirit, this little uh, religious community in Italy. And as you probably could guess, uh, they were really devoted to the Holy Spirit. And so she wrote a letter, many letters, to Pope Leo XIII and said, Holy Father, I think the church, at the beginning of this uh, new century coming up, we really need to redevote ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Like, would you, would you write to the bishops? And so uh, Pope Leo eventually, I think, probably got sick of her letters, said, okay, I'll write, I'll write something. And he wrote um, an apostolic exhortation on how the church needed to be more open to the Spirit's working. It was generally accepted, but kind of nothing was done about it. It was kind of like, oh, thanks for that. Moving on, not, not all that important. Then a few years later, he wrote uh, an encyclical. Uh, it's in Latin, so I don't know how to say it. But uh, all about the Holy Spirit and his conviction that the Holy Spirit um, was to bring about a new work of revival in the church, but not just in the Catholic Church, in all of the Christian church. Pope Leo's, um, one of his main convictions of his papacy was actually renewing and uh, finding unity within the Protestant and the Catholic Church. It was one of the things he was super passionate about. But again, this document generally swept under the rug. The Catholic Church said, yeah, thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. Um, and on January 1st, 1901, so the beginning of the 20th century, Pope Leo said Mass at St. Peter's, and he started Mass by singing the Veni Creator Spiritus. Um, I don't know if you guys have, you know that one. I'm not going to sing it. Uh, but it's come, Holy Ghost, Creator, blessed. And in our hearts, take up thy rest. And it's this beautiful prayer, and I encourage you to, to look it up. It's, it's, it's awesome. And he, he prayed that for all of the church, Catholic and Protestant. He, he, prayed, he prayed this prayer that the Holy Spirit would be about a new work in this new century. And that very same day in Topeka, Kansas, there was a Methodist prayer meeting going on, and a girl by the name of Agnes started speaking in tongues. 
And no one had seen that before. And they were like, what is going on? Or at least I imagine that's what they're experiencing. And, these, and this revival within the Protestant church just started to explode. A few years later, 1908, in Azusa Street in California, there was just this total revival um, in California. And like, it, was, it, was the Lord, it was the beginning of the charismatic movement, as we, kinda, as we would kind of know it as. And, and, this, and this was just happening all throughout the Protestant church. The Catholics were kind of like, what's going on? What's going on? In 1966, you probably have heard of this, at Duquesne University, a group of lay people, I think it was professors from the university and some students, got together and they just prayed, Lord, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit in a new way. Just pour out your Holy Spirit in a new way on us. And they didn't really know probably what they were praying, but that was the birth of the Catholic charismatic renewal. People were baptizing the Holy Spirit that night. People were praying in tongues. And again, a renewal just exploded in the church. I, I know some older uh, Catholic charismatic people, and they, they talk about the 70s uh, and the 80s and the early parts of the charismatic renewal. And like, uh, there's a story of Arrowhead Stadium where the, the Chiefs play football. Yeah. Just packed. It was, I think it was called Jesus 77 or something like that. What a name. Jesus 77. We're going to call Fan into Flame Jesus 2019. And it was, just this, it was just this explosion of the spirit in the church. And it was powerful. And it brought about new movements within the church, particularly from the laity. It's amazing. It's amazing. In 1985, SPO. Gordy Demaray, the founder, was working uh, for the Catholic Youth Center in St. Paul, Minneapolis. And the director of the center said, hey, we want you to start. We want you to start this campus ministry thing. Just at St. Thomas here, the university, like, just, just try it, and we'll, and we'll see what happens. But it, it came from the Catholic Youth Center was this charismatic movement within uh, the church up in St. Paul, Minneapolis. And that's where SPO came from. So we, are, we have our, our roots deeply in the charismatic renewal. That's where we come from. That's, that's who the Lord has called us to be. It's part of our DNA. And actually, it's part of our call to renew the church. It's to help the church foster and grow a gift of worship that's particular to us, that the Lord has given us as a gift, but it's for us to foster and help grow that in the church. And over the last I don't know, I guess 30 years, 35 years, we've seen that. I was talking to uh, Will and Adam. There was, a, I guess, a worship night last night at St. Michael's. And it, like, it sounds like the Spirit's coming alive here in Columbus. I mean, we know that. SPO, Damascus, all the things that are happening. Like, but it's, it's, the Lord has used us in a particular way. And it's not just us. I'm not trying to say like, we're the main reason. But He has used us. He's used us to bring about revival in His church. And that's amazing. So this is, this is a big part of who we are. And what I'm afraid of is us, what I've seen, what I'm seeing, is we're, we're losing a bit of our, our charism. We're putting it aside. We're not actually giving it the due that the Lord said it should have when he, when he told us to start SPO, when this movement in the church started. 
That's not to say that this is like the only way to worship or the best way to worship, but it is what the Lord has called us to do and we need to be faithful to that. So I might say some things that you might need to wrestle with. And I say it because I love you and I say it because I love this community and what this community could be if we actually listen to what the Lord has called us to do and who to be, particularly in the area of worship. So, um, we're on to the second, second part of the uh, outline, the, second, the back half of the sheet. I put in some fill in the blanks, just in case you'd fall asleep during the talk. It's a way to keep you awake. <clears throat> okay. This is not like, what I'm about to say is not like, um, like an indictment on any of you. I'm not trying to like call you out or make you feel small or belittled. I'm just calling out what I see and I see it in myself too. So it's it's a call out to myself as well. Um, But I want to call these things out uh, and then propose um, a solution, I guess. Um, I see three things that are, that are challenging the way that we worship in SPO, the, the way that the Lord has called us. First one is a consumer mentality. So you can write that, to consumer mentality. This is a mentality of this is all about me. This is for me. I'm coming here to get my worship fixed. And if they don't play the right song, who's that guy anyway? What's he, what's he doing? This is, it's an, or, or what can I get out of this mentality? I'm coming to worship, not just that formation, just coming to worship and thinking, what, what can I receive? You know? Or this isn't my style. This isn't, this isn't my thing. I was a really selfish little kid. I'm a pretty selfish adult, I suppose. My mom used to say to me all the time growing up, Joe, it's not all about you. And she would say it over and over and over. Um, and it like, made it on our like, family whiteboard. <laughs> Joe, it's not all about you. And for the longest time, I believed no, no, mom, it, it actually is all about, it is all about me. But I, I lived in a way that actually said it was all about me. And actually, worship helped me f- free myself from turning in on myself, from this mentality that it's all about me. So the antidote, so you get the little arrow there. What, what, what I want us to get after uh, is an idea of sacrifice. So at the heart of worship is sacrifice, right? I don't know, I I should have said that earlier. At the heart of worship is sacrifice, right? When we come before the Lord, we offer him a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. In the Old Testament, they would offer sacrifices of like animals to the Lord. It's like at the heart of worship is sacrifice, us offering something of ourselves, us pushing past what's comfortable, us pushing past um, maybe what's convenient, for the sake of offering a worthy sacrifice. 
So the sacrifice I want us to encourage us to is magnanimous surrender. I don't know how to spell magnanimous. So if someone does, help your neighbor out. Magnanimous surrender. What does the word magnanimous mean? Anyone? Any English majors here? Yeah, anyone? No one knows what magnanimous means. Yeah. Yeah, it's like this big-hearted, generous... Uh, when I was thinking about magnanimous surrender, I was thinking of the offer of, of Abraham to offer Isaac to, to the Lord. That was gut-wrenching, total, generous, complete. Lord, here's my only son that I've waited 100 years for. Just complete. And I think of um, Abel. He gave his first fruits and his best fruits Magnanimous is like this big-heartedness, this generosity. What more can I give? What more can I do? And then surrender, laying it before the Lord, just totally wasting it. The woman who, who wasted all the perfume on Jesus to anoint him. Magnanimous surrender of all that we have. Because I got some news for you. Worship's not about you. Amen. Say it with me. Worship's not about me. Worship is not about me. It's about Him. You don't have to repeat that. <laughs> Man, it's not about me. It's not about you. How often do we come to prayer and we come to worship and it's just about us? Oh man, I hope the hope the guitar's in tune. At least these are the thoughts going in my head. You know, I hope it doesn't go too long because I'm kind of tired. Uh, maybe I'll raise my hand so I'm like a, a good witness to the students. You know, hopefully someone brings up words because I don't really want to. It's we don't bring a magnanimous surrender very often. We bring a consumer mindset or a consumer mentality of what can I get? What can I leave here with? That's, that's not what it's about. Because guess what? If we come in with a magnanimous surrender, we're going to leave with a heck of a lot more than we came in with, as opposed to if we come in here with what can I hold on to and what can I keep, right? The Lord can't give us gifts if our hands are full. If we empty ourselves, he can give us more. He can overflow a cup that's empty. I never started my watch. Gosh, I don't even know how long I've been talking. The second mindset that I see, I was struggling to find words for it, but I think I've just settled on radical individualism. What do I mean by radical individualism? So the word radical, anyone know what the word radical, like it's where it comes from? Root, rooted. Think about putting a, a number under the radical. You get the square root for you, any of you math majors. Yeah, there you go. I studied engineering. Radical individualism. An individualism that actually has taken root in the fabric of who we are. 
And I'm not even saying it's your fault. We live in a, in a culture of radical individualism that it's all about you. It's all about you. What do you want? Nathan, what do you want? Whatever you want. It's about you, you know? Katie, what do you want? It's about you. That's what the culture says. Have it your way. You guys don't have McDonald's out here, but they're big on the East Coast. And their thing is, have it your way. Burger King. Did I say McDonald's? <laughs> Forget it. Forget it. I'm just going to stop. You guys don't have Burger Kings out here. <laughs> Man, I, tr I tried. I tried. A radical individualism. It's about me. And how many times do we come to worship with that mindset? We come to worship sometimes. I think we're not... I think sometimes we come to worship and we think, me and Jesus time. This is not me and Jesus time. Sorry. This is not me and Jesus time. There are other times for that. There are, there are times for me and Jesus, right? I'm not trying to say that's a bad thing. And I'm also not saying that in worship, Jesus doesn't come to us individually and minister to us. I'm not saying that. He does. But if we come in with a mindset of this is just about me and Jesus and not about we coming before the Lord and giving him glory, like it says in the book of Revelation, that they all bow down together and they throw their crowns down and they say, worthy are you? Because it's not about me and it's not about what I can get out of this. It's about how can I come before the Lord with my brothers and sisters. And this is part of our call. He's called us to be a community that we could come before the Lord together. And, it's not, and that's, what, that's actually why we don't sing a lot of songs. If you look at the SPO song, look, not a ton of them have I. A lot of it is we. Here we come before the Lord. And that's actually intentional. That's intentional, that we come before the Lord as a people. Why? Because it helps us take our eyes off ourselves. It helps us from turning in on ourselves when we're coming together as a people. So I don't, I don't want to be misquoted here. I'm, I'm not saying that worship isn't individual and that the Lord doesn't show up and meet us. He does. But it's not about me and Jesus' time. When we come before the throne of like. Worship is always communal. So we need to shift our, our gaze from radical individualism to a, a communal mindset. A communal mindset. One that says, I'm coming here together. Because the truth is, I was talking to Tim about this to make sure my theology was correct earlier. When, whenever we worship, even if we worship in the silence of our hearts, in the quiet of our room, we don't worship alone. We worship with the communion of saints and the martyrs and the angels. And we're, no matter where we are, we're always in communal worship. Now, there's times for personal prayer that's more one-on-one. -on -one, and I don't know how that works necessarily. I don't know if that's communal, but I'm not trying to get at, after that tonight. But when we come as a we, it makes it easier for us to focus on the Lord. So we need to have a communal mindset. That's our approach. Come in thinking, I want to I be part of a people here. And that's why we share words, right? That's why sometimes there's prayer ministry. Um, that's, why, that's why we sing songs with we in it. That's why, like, yeah, it's, it's about us coming together before the Lord, because that's who the Lord's called us to be. 
That's a really important part of our call in SPO, is that we worship communally. And the last one is emotionally driven. This is, I said you guys might not like some of the stuff I have to say. This one might be one of them. Okay. Worship is not void of emotion, and it shouldn't be. That's not the, that's not the point I'm making here. Worship is not void of emotion. Our emotions are incredibly important. They're incredibly important to how we experience the Lord, and they're an incredible part of who God has made us to be as humans. But our emotions are bad drivers. How many of you have come, ever come to uh, worship and said, like, I don't really feel like doing this. This morning in morning prayer, that was me. Almost every time. (laughs) 6 a.m., I don't really want to worship. But we don't worship because we feel like worshiping. We worship because he's due worship. Could you imagine Revelation chapter 4? The the Lord takes his, his place on the throne the 24 elders are like, ah, not right now. Not right now. Are you kidding me? I mean, I don't even know what would happen. I don't think it'd be good. <laughs> Wouldn't it be good? <clears throat> Making our emotions the gauge of, of how we want to enter into worship is dangerous. Okay, let's, let's move away from worship for a minute. Um, John has a kid, Ellie. Anna is away for the weekend. John will be watching Ellie. Mm-hmm. True story. We're praying for him. If John was just driven by his emotions and Ellie's screaming in the middle of the night and he's just laying there like, I don't really feel like getting that kid, and just rolls over, what kind of response is that? That is an immature response. And what we want is a mature response. That's the next fill in the blank. A mature response. Let's not limit the worship of the living God to how I feel. I mean, amen? Like, let's not do that. So worship isn't, it isn't void of emotion. I lost my sheet. It's not void of emotion. But we're called to not let it just be that. We're called to make a mature response. And this is a big part of what the Lord has called us to be in SPO, to be mature Christian disciples. When I was in high school, I would go to those uh, youth groups that my parents made me go to, and there'd be praise and worship nights, and some nights I'd really feel it. And I was on, and that bass player sounded good, you know. And I was just, like, feeling it. And I was worshiping the Lord because I I felt like it. I felt good, and it made me feel good. That wasn't mature worship. That wasn't me entering and saying, you're God, I'm not. Even Even though I don't feel like worshiping, even though I'm tired, even though... I've done this a million times. I feel like this is all we ever do is just worship. I'm going to make a response. 
a mature response, right? Those who tire and get bored or turned off by worship are not ready for heaven. Let's, let's not let that be us. We need to actively engage in, and participate. So in these worship settings and what we're doing, we actually need to actively engage our minds. And actually part of a mature response in worship is actually being good followers, trusting that the Lord has anointed the worship leader, has anointed the person leading, and has anointed other people in the room to lead the time of worship that we can actually just follow. That we can say, Lord, I actually trust you, that you love me, that you love this people, and I can trust that you're, you're leading them. And actually, we can make a mature response by actively engaging. So when the leader says, hey, let's take some time to pray in the Spirit, we're going to do it, even if we feel uncomfortable with it. We're going to do it, because that's actually a mature response. I'm, I'm submitting to the authority here. I'm submitting to the Lord's authority. This is good. This is right and just. I'm going to do it. And then part of being mature is also being aware of the Spirit's movement, right? It's not just being sheep that are being led, but it's also saying, Lord, what are you doing? Being aware of the movements of our heart, right? Like, if we're, if we're coming into worship and, like, we're frustrated, a mature response is like, all right, Lord, what are you, what are you doing here? What are you doing in my heart, you know? And actually making a mature response and not just being like, oh, I'm going to check out because I'm not feeling it. I'm frustrated. That's not a mature response. So we want to move away from a consumer mentality into magnanimous surrender. How do we do that? We do that by having humility. By saying it's not about it's not about me. It's not about what I can get out of this. So you can put a, over your little arrow thing there, you can put humility. Um, for our chemists here, that's like the uh, catalyst. catalyst. Yeah, yeah. That's the cat humility is the catalyst. <clears throat> Radical individualism to a communal mindset. I was thinking about this one, and it was, it was kind of also humility. But also what I, what I just kind of stumbled on is actually like courage. It takes courage to move away from what, what we know to be ourselves and actually being like, I want to be part of a people because it makes us vulnerable to be part of a people. It's easier just to do it on your own, but it takes courage to step out. So courage is the catalyst that's going to get us there and praying for that gift. And then uh, to move from emotionally driven to, mature, to a mature response, we need wisdom. These are things that we can ask the Lord for to strengthen us in our worship. I want to just end by um, encouraging us to try this on. You might be sitting here and thinking, all right, I hear you. Makes sense. It's good. Um, but it's good for some people. It's not good for me. And what I want to say is no, no, it's good. Worship is good. That might not be the way the Lord calls you and moves in your heart, but it's good. Let's not, let's not be relativistic here and say, oh, it's just good for you. It's good. 
right? And what I want to encourage us to do is these talks that we hear, John talked about the third part of the Patriot Way is buy-in, is for us to buy in. We're doing this for the semester. You're here. You're committed. Praise God. Why not buy in? Why not try it? You know? I was talking with someone, and we were talking about the idea of uh, we can see it. It's like looking at a shirt on the shelf, being like, I think that might fit. I think it might fit. It might be. It's usually my size. The only way you're going to know is if you try it on. The only way that you're actually going to know if the Lord is calling you to this in the way that we have been called as SPO, because we're doing it. We want to do it. And I, I, I believe there's a, a group of us in this room that want to run in this direction. And what I want us to do is say, I am going to buy in. I'm going to put on that shirt. And at the end of the semester, I'm going to examine it and say, hey, it didn't fit. Not for me. Not what the Lord's calling me to. Amen. Praise God. That's awesome. That's okay. That is okay. But some of you are going to say, wow, this shirt fits amazing. This is great. This is actually what I've been call- I've, the Lord's been calling me to. And since I actually put on the thing, I actually really know. I actually really know that this is the way that the Lord is calling me to worship. And all the other things we're going to talk about this semester. We have to be willing to try it on. I'm going to close with Revelation chapter 5. I lost my bookmark. This is just a continuation of the vision of heavenly worship. They sang a new hymn. Worthy are you to receive the scroll and to break open its seals. For you were slain with your blood. You purchased for God those from every tribe and tongue, people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests for our God. And they will reign on the earth. I looked again and heard the voices of many angels who surrounded the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They were countless in number and they cried out, in a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom and strength, honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the sea and in the sea and everything in the universe cry out to the one who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures answered, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Brothers and sisters, every creature in heaven and on earth, we fall in that category. Every creature on earth. And there there are parts of the scriptures that talk about when uh, the people were were worshipping Jesus and praising Jesus as he was coming in uh, on Palm Sunday. And the Pharisees were saying, Stop, tell them to stop. What are they doing? And he said, if I, I tell you, if, if they were to stop, the very rocks would cry out. Brothers and sisters, if we don't worship the Lord, the rocks will do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious. That's what it says. If we don't do it, someone else will. And I think back to the beginning of the charismatic movement. 
right? Where the Pope offered this gift to the church, and they kind of said no. And so the Lord said, okay, I'll give it to the Protestants. That's not a bad thing. The Protestants are amazing. This is the week of, we're praying for Christian unity this week, just so you know that. Like this, and, but the Lord needs to be worshipped. He needs to be worshipped. Right? And we need to join in to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor, glory and might forever and ever. That's our prayer. That's what we can bring to the Lord. It says earlier in, the, in this passage about the creatures, they have these giant incenses. And it says the incense rising before the throne is the prayers of the faithful. That's us. That's our prayers. It's the incense rising before the throne of God. That's what we get to offer here. We don't have to wait till we die. We get to do it now. We get to do it tomorrow morning. You get to do it whenever you want. We get to worship the Lord. It's the greatest gift the Lord has given us. Holy smokes. This is amazing. This should, this should inspire us. But we need to buy in. We need to come. We need to take away a consumer mindset. We need, to, we need to rid ourselves of this rooted individualism that we live in, right? We need, to, we need to move past emotions, right? We're adults. We're adults. Emotions are good. Let, let them do what they're supposed to do, but let's not, them, let's not that be the end, right? Let's continue to make a, a mature response to the Lord. So we're going to take some time and worship here. Um, but I, what I want us to do is just tonight... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us from the front. We just have a, a simple thing tonight, just a piano and the drum and the guitar. And we're just going to worship really simply. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of instruct us as we're going. Uh, and I want us to press in. If, if this is what you want, if, you're, if you want to try this on, then let's try it on. Let's give the Lord his due in worship. And let's not hold anything back. Amen? Amen. 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 I need to get some water. Good. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Yes, Joe.